You are now listening to the new voice of reason, Down the Middle, a political podcast with Justin Siegel and Rob Leifer, the fastest growing moderate political podcast in the nation, a podcast about politics, current events, and culture through a lens of moderation, measuredness, and common ground. So sit back and prepare yourself for two guys who prefer intermittent, moderate change over revolution. Two guys who believe diversity of thought is our greatest strength. Are you prepared? Okay, here are your hosts, Justin Siegel and Rob Leifer. Hello, listeners, and we're back again. Welcome to episode 19, week after week after week. This one's called The POTUS's Hoax Us Pokes Us. Killing it again, Riz. So good. Episode 19, you know, I have a bone to pick with all our listeners. We asked you to not do anything crazy this week. Yeah, we really we, did. We, we, we did. We really, we asked very nicely and kindly and, uh, and you didn't, you failed us. Yeah, you failed us. The entire world failed us. This was perhaps yeah. the craziest week of our illustrious president's presidency. Yep. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of it. So um, certainly are. Yeah. This and by the way, Jay, and you can yeah. you can come back and uh, and check me on my math after the mm-hmm. episode is over. But I'm predicting this is going to be a, a fairly short episode. Okay. You know what? But, Famous last words. Yeah. I know. I'm saying under an hour. You know, right. hold me good, to it. Good luck to you. The listener knows because they can see what that number is, so they know yeah. right now. We don't know, but they do. This is true. Okay, well, you know, this part doesn't count, so let's go right into Honest <laughs> Abe's right now. Honest Abe's Jay, kick it. When he growed up, this tiny babe, folks all called him Honest Abe. Abraham, Abraham. All right, Jay, so what do you got for us today? Do it. Well, you know what I got for you to start. We got a Discord. You're up in your game. Um, we're loving it. There's some more comments on the Discord. There's some new people. Keep it coming uh, because we'll talk about this stuff on the air. We love your questions. We love your comments. We really appreciate them. We got products. The link to our products are in our bios on all our socials. Yep. Uh, we got t-shirts, baby onesies, masks, mugs, both travel and at home. Uh, you name it, we have it. And uh, if we don't have it yet, we'll have it uh, soon. So check it out. We got all our good stuff. Promote moderate values incrementally. Let your friends know and wear our stuff. Sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a plan. Uh, next piece of business, we want to remind you, because we failed to remind you last week, that oh, yeah. the first quadrennial down the middle live stream is about to take place on 11-3. That is November 3rd, election night. It will be the first time you get to see our faces as well as hear our commentary. That's We're right. going to be watching the debate in real time. You'll be able to see us react. Or, I'm sorry, did I say debate? I meant to say election. There's a debate going on tonight, too. We'll get to that in a moment. We, we will be watching the election in real time. You'll get to, to see our, our, us react. You'll get to see us eating food. You'll get to interact with family members, perhaps. Yep. It is going to be fun, if for nothing else, than to see us cry or to see us celebrate, depending on who wins. And by the way, we probably won't even have a winner. So the whole thing might be a bust. It might be a bust. I was going to say, if it lasts yeah. a month, we'll be there. So we'll be, we'll there. be yeah, there with we'll just... you on the couch for a month. <laughs> no matter what, when our until our president is picked, we'll yep. be live streaming. You're going to have to watch us sleeping and everything. I mean, it's going to be, be great. great. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, we will give you all the details of that as it rolls closer. Um, just wanted to remind you of that so you can put it on your calendar. Next piece of business, uh, we it is not lost on us 
that we are overlapping with the debate night tonight between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Uh, we did not want to delay this episode. It is happening. The debate is happening right now as we're recording. So we won't be talking much about the debate. And a lot of you might be saying, you know, because this episode is going to come out tomorrow. Why didn't they mention the debate? Well, that is the reason we have no idea what's going on in the debate. We're going to get the Cliff's notes. Yeah. And uh, here's and the mention. Here's your mention of it right here. Yeah, we're mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, we're mentioning it. We will get back to you next week with our analysis, I'm sure. Um, and by then you will be sick of hearing of it. And it will also seem like the debate happened three and a half years. Yeah, ago. You'll, you'll probably forget it even happened, yeah, honestly, you, you, by you next probably week. Will. By next week, I think Trump is going to actually turn into a pumpkin. That's the only thing he's got left to yeah, do. It's true. All right. So I think that's pretty much all the business we have to cover. Let's go into one of our favorite segments, one of your favorite segments. We care a lot. We care a lot. Okay, Jay, uh, what do we got this week? We had some interaction, didn't we? Uh, we had, yeah, a, new, we had a, a, a couple new people. We had some new people, and this one is from a new person on the Discord. Podcast Lover 001. How original. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm hoping they just mean our podcast, not podcast in general. But, yeah, exactly. You know. yeah, well, they didn't say, they said singular, so this they podcast. Did. That's true. Yeah. So this podcast. All right, Podcast Lover 001. Great episode this week, guys. Probably your best yet. Thank you very much. We yes, think so too. Hooray. Yes. Right. Uh, one thing you failed to mention that I think is important when you were going over voter fraud mm -hmm. is the fact that the majority of cases that have been found over the past 50 years have been mostly Republicans. I find it hilarious that the GOP has convinced their base that all criminality of any kind must be at the hands of registered Democrats because obviously no Republican would ever commit a crime. Rob is 100% correct about this. He loves hearing that he's right. Yes. You guys are doing an awesome job. Keep it up. Thank you, podcast lover. We agree with you on most of those points. And I think Rob yes. agrees with you on your main point. The, the only thing I don't agree with is keep it up. I just don't know if I have, I have it in me anymore. <laughs> I'm quitting. In fact, let's go. Yeah, I'm yeah, no, okay, that was a false alarm. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, I would love to address. Can I, you mind if I address this, Jay? Please do. Okay, so this is very true. There have been incidents of voter fraud on both sides of the aisle over the last 50 years, but the point of the piece we did last week was really that we're talking about uh, a completely insignificant number of incidents that have not had any measurable effect on our elections. Uh, the more interesting thing, perhaps, is that it has been almost exclusively Republicans who have been chanting and whining about voter fraud for a long time now. And I think that sort of goes to a theme we've discussed before on the show, many times on the show, which is if there's criminality involved, it has to be at the hands of Democrats and liberals. <laughs> right. This is, again, why they're always attempting to suggest that rioters and looters, people who have no political ideology whatsoever are just, you know, and are basically just lawless criminals, that they are a substantial part of the Democratic voter base. They're always they're always pitching that idea. Kind of a funny mental image, like an like a guy with an anarchist flag right. going like, <laughs> exactly. oh, but I'm a registered Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just your average thug on the street, the homeless right. people, these are all registered Democrats. They love Joe Biden. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, I think also people associate many Hispanic undocumented uh, people in this country with Democrats, as it has historically been Democrats who have pushed for reforms to our immigration system. And the idea that vast swaths of undocumented illegal aliens are voting in our elections has been around for a long time. I mean, the GOP has made this an issue for like decades now. So it's easy to then make the leap and say that the Democrats not only want 
illegals to vote for their own political purposes, but they're actually enabling them to vote. This this theory uh, goes even further when Republicans claim that the only reason Democrats are weak on illegal immigration is because they They want to create this. Yeah, yeah. This big, beautiful new voting base for the Democratic Party. This idea, as with a lot of things in politics is belied by the facts that, you know, the facts on the ground. And those facts include that Hispanic Americans tend to be very conservative, very religious and have historically had no problem voting for Republicans in the past. So it's another one of those things that doesn't necessarily add up. So anyway, there absolutely have been incidents of actual fraud that were tied to the Republicans. But again, because we determined last week that ultimately cases of voter fraud are so insignificant, there's really no reason for us to go through all those cases here today. It's 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 not even warranted because we sort of litigated this uh, last Mm -hmm. week. So bottom line, our elections are some of the safest and most secure in the world. Jay, do you have anything to add? No, I think you're right. I think you you said it when we started. There's cases on both sides, but yep. it doesn't really make a difference. It, you know, no matter who's doing it, it doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. Now, with that said, there are many tricks that both parties engage in, but the but I believe the Republicans engage in more that don't necessarily fall under the rubric of voter fraud, but that it's actually the, it's sort do. of coloring within the law. Yes, they actually do affect our election process. Some of those mm-hmm. things include gerrymandering, various types of voter suppression, voter yep. intimidation, voter ID laws, and a few others. But those topics are so complex and nuanced that we really feel we would need at least a full episode to go through them. And so that is on our list, along with our conspiracy theory episode <laughs> that we've talked about since episode one. And we will be addressing that stuff in short order, hopefully. Okay, barring you guys don't do anything crazy. So what you will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Secondly, uh, next thing, uh, next question. We got a great question from Political Pisces. Yeah, another newbie. Yeah, a great name, by the way. Yeah. Horological. How do you, the horological is uh, watches, right? Yeah. How do you yeah. say that? Hor- Horoscope logical? I, 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 I don't know. We're wasting time, Jay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this, was, this question was regarding foreign policy and American safety, but it's such a big issue, again, that we wanted to devote a little more time to it. So we promise you, again, barring anything cataclysmic, we are going to come back next week and answer this question for Political Pisces. So thank you so much for writing in. We really appreciate it. Lastly, lastly, we got, uh, well, I should say I got a message from, from our illustrious editor-in-chief, Clay Cogman, who we've had on the show now the last two weeks, commenting on episode 18, last week's episode, and he thought it was a great episode, but he said, you know, one thing I wanted to point out to you guys is that you use Ben Shapiro a lot. You talk about Ben Shapiro a lot, you play a lot of his clips, you play, uh, you know, you read a lot of his tweets and you do full segments about his his thing. We've done the, the uh, virtually debatable segment twice now, and I think he was, you know, what he was saying was like, maybe you should find some more conservative commentators to also reference. And I promised Clay that I would call him over the weekend and explain my reasoning behind Shapiro. And I never did because I forgot <laughs> and or maybe got lazy or maybe it was a combination of the two. So I'm going to do it right now on the air. Here we are. Um, yeah. The, the truth of the matter is, uh, for all of you listeners who might be thinking we do that a lot, when it comes to intellectual and daily conservative commentators there yeah. is a very shallow well to draw from shallow well uh, meaning meaning one yeah basically one i mean yeah. shapiro sort of owns that that segment of the uh, of the conservative um 
commentators and, and mm-hmm. pundits. Now, there are other pundits who are very smart. Like I, I would put Tucker Carlson in that. Yeah. I, I, I've told, I've said this a lot. I think Tucker is bordering on white nationalism. I, I, I think a lot of his views are 100% abhorrent, but he is Doesn't a very talented guy. Yeah. He is extremely good at what he does, which mm-hmm. is why he has such great ratings. He's a great speaker. He's very smart. And we've used some of the things he says occasionally. But the problem with Tucker and a lot of those other guys is that they don't necessarily align with Justin's views. And Justin is sort of coming from, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jay, but more of a classic conservative. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro was one of the few never Trumpers that that had a very high, you know, a very large profile. Mm -hmm. And I think Justin relates a lot more to his point of view, just in the way that I relate to the Pod Save America guys. So when we're when we're trying to find people to debate with, like have virtual debates with or when we're trying to reinforce ideas that we believe in, he's the guy that we tend to go back to. He also is like the fastest speaker in the world, so he could get a lot of information yeah. in in one thing where there i mean again there are lots of great uh i don't want to paint the picture that there aren't a lot of great republican or conservative philosophers because there are thomas mm-hmm. soul is is one of the big ones yeah. um but these guys tend to be sort of slower and they write books they don't daily commentate so um shapiro just fits in very nicely for what we what we do and for me it's you know and i don't want to again i don't want to paint the picture that we're like super intellectuals but i would much rather debate somebody on the merits of an intellectual argument yeah. than a debate somebody like like give you guys hannity's argument from fox because like hannity a lot of these guys even the guys like rush limbaugh um who used to be a little bit more uh intelligent in their analysis they've become so trumpy yeah, that it just, just doesn't fit with right yeah. it doesn't fit in with the with, with sort of the the vibe uh, of our podcast so uh, lastly i would say that um if you guys know of other conservative commentators that we're not thinking of, we would love to explore that. He's just the guy that happens to, again, align with the philosophy of this podcast a lot. So, Jay, did I miss anything? No, I think that's right. In, in trying to create a balanced atmosphere for you guys and, and have voices of reason, you know, we don't use a lot of the people on uh, CNN either because right. there's nothing reasoned about it. So right. we try and find people that are more aligned with uh, you know, reasonable thought process and reasons why they've got to where they've got, not just I'm taking this person's platform and that's the way it is. And Ben is, is that guy for the right. And he definitely represents mostly um, how I feel about about issues. And I think it's we're lucky to have him in this day yeah. and age, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one more thing I would say is that there's sort of two classes of pundits. There's the TV pundits like yeah. the CNN and Fox News. And those, uh, frankly, they tend to be not the most intelligent to us. Like they, you know, they're, they're reporting on, and that's not their job to necessarily be like that. Their mm-hmm. job is to report on the news and sort of spin it in a certain way. They're not great for intellectual analysis. Yeah. Then you have the, the second class is sort of the commentator pundits like Shapiro, like the guys at Pod Save America who are actually commentating on a lot of times the TV pundits. I right. think what makes our show unique uh, down the middle unique is that we are really the only show I could think of that is commentating on the commentators. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. it's sort of like the third level, which makes it inherently more intellectually stimulating, at least in my opinion, because the the second level of commentators are more intellectual. So, yeah. so, you, so get a macro, the, you get a bit better macro picture of what the, the entire... Uh, 
you know, political sphere is. Right, exactly. There's more to talk about. So I like the system. Clay, I appreciate your insight. We will take that into uh, into account. We'll certainly think about that when we're, we're organizing a show. Are we doing too much of something? Find us someone new. Yeah, find us someone new. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's all you got for now. Um, okay, uh, we're done with uh, We Care A Lot. Let's move on to our next segment. So we have a new segment today. New segment alert. New segment alert. Did you know this or did you just figure this out when I told you? Uh, it's a surprise to me. Okay. <laughs> well, this new segment is called... We can't stop reporting on the news. Go! Okay, so as we have said from day one of this podcast, you can turn on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, NPR, BBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, anytime you want. To be bombarded, yes, with uh, whatever the news of the day is. I I just pulled that list off the top of my head, Jay. Pretty good. Yeah, I know. I've been doing this a while now. Uh, (laughs) You can also simultaneously watch, as we were just talking about, sort of not-so-smart people debate all the news of the day in a not-so-smart manner. So with this podcast, we really wanted to focus more on those high-minded ideological issues and less on current events. Uh, Within a few episodes, we realized that given the weight of this period in history and all that's going on, we couldn't call ourselves a serious political podcast if we didn't at least do some current events and news. So as you may have noticed, we have been structuring our pods to be front-loaded with more of the newsy stuff and back-loaded with more of the ideological, bigger issues, which is why we usually have the topic of the day towards the end of the podcast. And that format has really been working for us, wouldn't you say, Jay? Absolutely. I've been enjoying it very much. Yes. But then we sort of realized that there are certain weeks where the news of the week is so pervasive throughout our lives for any number of reasons that it would be not only inappropriate for us to not spend the bulk of an episode talking about it, but in certain cases, it could almost be disrespectful. So a perfect example of that was when the George Floyd thing happened and he was Mm -hmm. murdered and we had the ensuing protests and riots and race-based conversations that were you know consuming all of the oxygen in the world we couldn't go on for our pod that week and be like okay let's talk about nafta like it it, it just wouldn't have worked right okay so so all that to say that this is another one of those weeks for all of the obvious reasons that we will go through here in a moment we are getting closer and closer to what may be the most pivotal consequential election of our lives yeah uh riz I don't mean to interrupt you, but just uh, in in an alert about the uh, debate going on right now, yeah. apparently there's a fly that I guess is somewhere on Pence's face or somewhere around uh, the vice president, and uh, I don't think anyone's alerted him to it. That is that's a real-time alert, people. That's a the real-time alert. Yeah. I don't okay. even know what that means. I just saw an alert <laughs> on my phone. That's great. I'm, I'm sure everyone is really fascinated by that. We will have full analysis on the fly, the fly. next week, okay? <laughs> right. You know what who we should have as a guest is we should have Jeff Goldblum, who starred <laughs> in the movie The Fly, <laughs> to, to opine on... So yeah. good. There yeah. we go. So anyway, like I was saying, between uh, Donald Trump's Twitter feed and October surprises that are going on, really, I mean, what else is there to talk about right now? So without further ado, let's just quickly go through the facts and the timeline of what happened in this last week. Now, I, I want to say that we, Jay and I finished this episode on Wednesday, so a week ago today. Yep. And on Thursday, we had a branding session with our 
editor-in-chief Clay Cogman and a branding specialist that will go nameless for now uh, on our on our new uh, venture that we told you guys about. And we finished the branding session and heard like that- 30 seconds later? Yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds later, it was reported that Trump had COVID. And we all text each other like, oh my- you know it was it was it was, it was unbelievable yeah. yeah so um i'm still dizzy i'm excited for this timeline because i really don't know what happened when because yeah. i'm just dizzy from all of this happening know, in I such know. a short amount of time so i'm going to keep this very 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 brief okay so on thursday october 1st of last week we learned the shocking news that trump himself had contracted covid and that the first lady melania trump had it as well uh, we also learned that various members of the Trump crew had it as well. Uh, this included Hope Hicks, Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chair, uh, Senator Mike Lee, Chris Christie, and a bunch of others. Uh, Jay will maybe go over that a little more later. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, we found out that Trump advisor Stephen Miller has it. So it's safe to say that the White House itself seems to be a chief vector of infection yeah. in the Washington, D.C. metro area. So please stay away if you're in the neighborhood. <laughs> go visit no, Georgetown no or something. There's a million no, things yeah. to do in that area. Just don't yeah. go by the White House. It's not a safe place. Um, so later, we found out that Trump was admitted to Walter Reed Hospital to the presidential suite that has been utilized before for when presidents need advanced medical care. Uh, apparently, his blood oxygen level got concerningly low a couple of times, according to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Uh, then there was some confusion over how long Trump had the virus, uh, if he had knowingly exposed himself to others during that time period. Uh, and of course, there's a ton of speculation over what event might have caused this significant outbreak and how much negligence is involved here on the part of the Trump administration. Uh, for any more of the details on that story, head on over to CNN or to Fox to get truly balanced and factual information. <laughs> that, that was sarcasm, Jay. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, let's talk for a second about what went through our heads when we yeah. heard the news and then what political narratives we assumed would be derived from the news. Uh, well, when I first heard the news, I was, I was obviously very shocked, but I can't say I was surprised. Right. The guy's been about as careful as Evil Knievel is. Yeah. Uh, it was a mix of emotions, and yeah, of course, this could be fake was in the mix. My Aaron Sorkin-inspired inner voice thought maybe this could be a uniting moment for the country. And then I saw Biden, you know, kill the negative ads and start using the right language. And then Trump took those hopes and he ripped their heads off and those hopes died a very painful death. Yes. Uh, the president's behavior, while I guess is consistent, has also amped up in scariness. And I know it's Halloween time, but this is worse than any haunted house I've ever been in before. I have yeah. to believe this might be due to the steroids, which is also yeah. probably how he feels 20 years younger. Well, well, let's not get let's not get too into all the weeds here, Jay. Yeah, because uh, we're going to go through all of that, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is just, it's, it's been a, it's been a long week. <laughs> I know, Chris. I know, I know. So tell us more. What else? So, I mean, every time I think about that, it can't get any worse. It, it literally yeah. does. Like the debates, yeah. it was a low. It was a, mm -hmm. it was a low for our country. I felt very deflated after it. Yeah. And then this happened and another opportunity to unite the country goes completely uh, out the window and it's um it's shocking i don't think we'll ever really know what happened or if ever if ever uh, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's kind of okay. where i'm at so yeah that's that's I, I pretty much share those sentiments i when i heard the news my first thought was holy sh you know because the president has a deadly disease and he's yeah. no spring chicken mm -hmm. but then my second thought was well i'm not surprised why would any of us i mean he's right. he's been downplaying mass and been acting irresponsibly with his administration for a long time now in the wake of this pandemic. So mm -hmm. it really wasn't surprising. So, you know, unfortunately, in the cynical sort of 
nature of our, you know, our, our everyday politics that we live in right now, the first thing that I started thinking was what the narrative is going to be. You yeah. know, so what is the narrative going to be? So, so I sort of, I, I assumed it would be one of two things. It would be either that, number one, COVID is nothing. So Trump would go to the hospital. He would, uh, you know, have sniffles and a fever for a couple of days. And he would come out and be like, it was nothing. We're making too big a deal. I'm 74 and overweight. Wasn't and even I, the flu. <laughs> right. If I, if I could handle it, I had a fever a couple of days. Not a big deal at all. Go about your lives. We've been overreacting this whole time. The, yeah. the COVID is nothing serious narrative, which a lot of people, frankly, a lot of the pundits in the GOP uh, who are linked to the GOP, I should say, rather, have been saying that for six months now. Right. Well, I was going to say it comes along with a, I was right from the beginning sticker. Right. Exactly. I was right from the beginning. Now, the second narrative that I was thinking could be something he pushes out there was the idea of Trump, the American hero, because this would come in handy if he did get really sick. Yes. And I thought if he gets really sick and not even if he's close to death, but he's receiving oxygen, he's, you know, he's in bad shape and we're hearing about this and then well, he recovers. See, being seen as weak in any way is very bad for Trump. Of, We've seen the, this whole week has been his response to appearing weak. Right. So, so you know, I was thinking he's going to recover and he's going to come out of the hospital and he's going to do the whole nothing can defeat me. You know, <laughs> I went up against COVID. I am I am the COVID master now. I hold the immunities. <laughs> You know, I thought like and and I and I knew that right wing media, if that was the case, if he were to get really sick, right wing mm -hmm. media would spin it as Trump the fighter. He's yeah. he he fought and beat Hillary Clinton. He fought and beat China. And now he fought and beat covid. Joe Biden would have laid down and died. You know, right. that was going to be the narrative. Sure. But yeah. I never assumed ever that they would go with both. Which is basically <laughs> what they did. That is yeah. basically what they did. They yeah. went with the COVID is nothing and Trump's an American hero for beating it. They they basically, I think they really were like, why not use both of these? These are both great. No one, no like, one says we can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jay, putting your sort of political um, analyst hat on. Yeah. What did you, which, which is the hat you're always wearing, by the way. Do you think I was sort of spot on there with what the narratives were going to be? Yes, absolutely. There was, there were... I mean, just knowing Trump and knowing how the administration reacts. I mean, I don't think you'd say that if it were someone else in office. Yeah. But knowing that the man can't appear weak, knowing that this is the history of him downplaying the virus, uh, it, it needed it was going to always be one of those two things. But I agree with you. I don't think because who, who thought it was possible to do both? Right. They, they, they somehow did both. maneuvered they did it. around. Yeah, it. yeah, they did it. Yeah. I do want to talk one second about the false flag allegations. Um, yeah, there, I, I would be. Lying if I didn't say, because I'm so cynical about Trump and his administration, he's lied so much. Oh, I thought it too. One of the things that went through my head that night, and actually when I called you, Jay, I told you this, that maybe this was just a brilliant political ploy. Because if we look at the, at the, at the poll numbers, the number one thing that the country is upset about with Trump is that he didn't take COVID seriously. So I thought if he was smart, he could do this thing where he pretends to get COVID and then he comes out with, and he's contrite and he, 
apologizes and says, I didn't take this seriously enough. And he wins back voters for promising to take it more seriously. But once he got admitted to Walter Reed, I I, I tamped down on those conspiracy <laughs> theories that were going yeah. going running through my head because it would take. Yeah, so he, for he, anyone who never. Right. But for, well, for anyone, it's not even just him, but for anyone who's still thinking that's a possibility, uh, you would have to get so many people, doctors at at Walter Reed, one of the True. most prestigious hospitals in the world, to be in on it, and it would be it would be so unethical on on multiple levels that yeah, I just, just don't not think. Possible. Yeah, it's not possible. So he did legitimately have COVID. I think we could land there. I also don't think that that's much of a stretch, as both of us mentioned earlier. You know, he's been unsafe. Huh. He's not been wearing a mask. He's been no. around a great many people doing. Makes rallies. perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a minute about the Democratic response. So so I'll be honest, upon hearing the news, I had a serious head versus heart battle in terms sure. of what I thought the correct response from the Democrats should be. The part of me that is sort of up on political optics, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. understood that it's probably good if Democratic politicians wish Trump well and say that they're praying for a speedy recovery. But that's the head talking. Sure. Uh, my, my heart wanted nothing more than Democrats to go with the karma will get you narrative. But I, I have a good enough understanding of how right wing media would spin that mm-hmm. and make it seem like the Democrats are heartless and godless. So ultimately, I was of the opinion I landed on the opinion, ultimately, that my head was correct and my heart wasn't as is often the case in life. So all of the major Dems, including Biden and Kamala Harris, wish Trump well and did that whole song and dance. And even with that, and this is a testament again to how savvy and coordinated the right-wing media is, even with all the major Dems doing the right thing, Fox and other right-wing media still took a few celebrities and did that, you know, a few celebrities that did the karma will get your routine and presented it as Democrats want the president to die. Yeah, and And, and I guarantee you there's a segment of our population that believes that narrative on the right. You know, there's a segment that is saying, you know, Democrats wanted the president to die. But, you know, anyway, Jay, what do you think of how the Dems handled the whole thing on a whole? As we're learning on this podcast, I am a big fan of the adult in the room. And I say yay to the Democrats for being the adult in the room. If this was flipped and Biden was the one to come down with COVID, I do not think in any situation like that, the Republicans would have reacted the same way, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I am. Well, Trump very, would have said he was weak. I mean, you He's name a loser. It. I, yeah, yeah, I think he would have. I do. Yeah, in totally, some regard. Totally. I don't think Absolutely. there would have been a shutdown of negative ads because when Biden yeah. did it and, and pledged to do it, the Trump campaign certainly didn't. And I just think that it wouldn't have been reciprocated. But I'm happy that the Democrats were the adults in the room. It was nice to see. It was a nice change of tone for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and I think that was the right move. Right. So, you know, at first Trump was sort of tweeting like a dog with his tail between his legs, you know, thanks for the concern. I'll never forget it. He (laughs) tweeted, quote, going well. Thank you to all. Love in all caps, just love the word. I, love. I, I was like, the, what kind of drugs do they have? Him on? <laughs> exactly. But even I thought even cynical me thought for a minute that maybe he was going to do the whole contrite thing and be yeah. all the S words, somber, sober, serious and solemn. You know, <laughs> the media loves those words. They love they. You know, it, whenever something happens, 
negative when someone dies you know so there, there's something bad that happens in the political sphere an the media immediately needs to know if it was somber sober serious and solemn it's gotta <laughs> be you know he was such he was he was so somber he really had a sober tone it was more serious than ever had so much solemnity yeah they love their s words yeah, they, really do. they really do yeah. so apparently even the geniuses over at msnbc thought something similar. So we'd like to quickly bring back a segment from many, many episodes ago. This segment is reserved for when the media gets excited by the concept that maybe, just maybe, Donald Trump is a human being who drinks water and breathes air like other mammals after all. Uh, This is a celebration of change and reflection. This segment is called Newtonian Physics. I saw the light I've been... Baptized by the fire in your church and the flame in your eyes I'm born to love again, I'm a brand new man Okay, so we have long been aware of the fact that the media just loves, loves whenever Trump changes his tone. Yeah. And they love embarrassing themselves even more when indeed his miraculous change in tone is over by that I mean, night. 20 seconds, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally 20 seconds. But this one over at MSNBC was perhaps one of my favorites ever. This is what that sounded like. Guys, I guess the, the first question I'll pose to you, Robert, interestingly, as we listened to the president via Twitter last night, um, is it is it my imagination or was there a, a somewhat gentler tone to this president? Um, not caustic when he said, thank you to all love, all caps. There was something um, rather heartfelt. And uh, any interpretation on that? Have we seen something like this before from this president, Robert? Okay. All right. So they love to use the word tone, too. They just, they, they can't believe it. I mean, he's acting human. What is this? And it's going to stick. You know, they, yeah, always, they always say Love it. Love in all caps. Is this fi- it's been four years of the presidency. They always say it as if, is this finally the moment that he's going <laughs> to act like a person? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. So anyway, moving on, um, a bunch of stuff happened between Trump being admitted to the hospital and then being released, including but not limited to Trump deciding to take a joyride for his fans outside with the Secret Service while being symptomatic. But again, you can find plenty of opinions about that over at your network news. So pause the tape if you want to and go check them out. More importantly, Trump was eventually released from the hospital and proceeded to make a rather weird video of himself coming out of this helicopter. Hang on, hang on, on, the hang way on, hang on. Hus- that wasn't yeah. a uh, a trailer for the new Rambo movie? Right, whatever it was, Are you right? Sure? <laughs> he proceeded to come out of uh, of his helicopter on the White House lawn. He went he he walked up to his living quarters. He took his mask off and started saluting. He ripped, saluting. He ripped, he he ripped, ripped his off. mask off he ripped and saluted off. the American people. It was a little bit North Korea for my personal tastes, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, then he made a video where he updated us on his condition and how he's feeling. Apparently, he exposed a bunch of people to the virus there. There was, like, camera people. The yeah, camera's there's, pretty close. Right. There's pictures of him in the room being... Yeah symptomatic (laughs) spreading his germs all over the room because he's a tough guy he made this video and that sounded like this i just left walter reed medical center and it's really something very special the doctors the nurses the first responders and i learned so much about coronavirus and one thing that's for certain don't let it dominate you 
Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. You know, Jay, I have, yeah. I, I, I have one thing to say. Go ahead. Trump is not only an American hero, yeah, but he is he's a he's a virus hunter. He's a virus hunter. <laughs> That's he gonna got, be his new show. It's true. Trump done. virus hunter. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'll yeah, produce it's, that. It, it's it's a it's a pretty amazing thing. So you so, know, uh, well, but even ahead. before we go any further, I think you know, history tends to be kinder on presidents. I mean, look at W yeah. for a good example of that. We will have this video forever and if there's anything that will not be forgiven it is the ridiculousness of this video and the english choice the the word choices used (laughs) that's our president yeah so you know let's talk a little bit about the politics behind that message that you just heard yeah there wasn't anything else to it right and how it's potentially impacting the upcoming race because that's the important thing to talk Mm -hmm. about here so the statement he made that seemed to trigger the most people was when he said in regard to covid don't let it dominate you don't be afraid of it this is a pretty stunning conclusion to draw with 210,000 Americans dead of this virus. And yeah. we'll talk about in a minute, I, I think it's, it's reflected in his current poll numbers, but we'll get to that. First, there's, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between fear and caution. Because like, I get in my car every day, and an automobile is one of the most dangerous places to be for anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. On a daily basis. OK, yeah, that's right. Uh, I am not actively afraid or in fear every time I get in my car. I don't even think about it, but I'm cautious enough yeah, to wear driver. my seatbelt. Right. Yeah. And to wear my seatbelt, even if mm-hmm. seatbelts weren't a law, I would wear it because why the hell not be a little more cautious? Well, so unless you're a libertarian. Unless you're libertarian, right? And I am somewhat liberal. I lean libertarian, but uh, I'm not that crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So downplaying COVID to the extent that he's doing in that clip is not only a dangerous message when you have so many states in the nation that have a rapidly rising case count as we speak, Mm -hmm. but it's also extremely disrespectful to the families and loved ones of all the people who have died of this virus. It's an infectious disease that causes death in a lot of people. So being cautious about it it, even overly cautious is a good thing. You know, last weekend, a little personal story last weekend, and Jay knows about this, but my son was at the beach with my in-laws and my wife, and it was like a 95 degree day. And he all of a sudden started shivering and he was really cold. And we're like, oh, what's wrong with him? And he was like acting weird and sort of 
lethargic. We got him back home and he was, you know, not acting himself and he started, you know, shaking and we felt like he felt warm. We took his temperature and sure enough, it was 100.4. And then he developed a cough, like all of a sudden he started coughing and we're like, oh, geez. So immediately, like, the worst runs through our head. He's of got course. COVID, you know, especially yeah. with the low grade fever. That seems to be like one of the big symptoms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like not, he, he's prone to like higher fevers when he gets right. sick. So the fact that it was only 100.4 and the fact that he had a cough, we're like, oh geez. Now we took him home right away. We put him to sleep and he went right to bed. And then the next day we, we you know, were freaked out enough. And, I, you know, I wasn't freaked out for him. I wasn't because kids do generally well. And even yes. me, you know, I'm 40 years old. I don't have any pre-existing conditions that really would affect me here. People our age are doing pretty well with this virus. So I wasn't afraid that I was in any danger. But my in-laws are in their 70s, you know, yeah. and they've been spending all day with him. They're here by the grace of God. They're here to, to help mm-hmm. us with uh, w- with the online schooling thing for both our kids. It's been an absolute blessing. Cannot thank them enough. So shout out to my in-laws. Uh, but yeah, again, I was very concerned for them. So uh, the point is, you know, being cautious about this stuff is really important. So long story short, we went to the doctor the next day. We went to the drive through clinic. He got tested. He had a rapid test that came back negative. Then they did the full swab test. That had to be sent in. We found out two days later that that was negative as well. He just yeah. ended up having another virus, okay? Yeah. And now Which we all exist. are a little under the weather. So maybe we all got it. But yeah, that does exist. There's lots of other things. But again, going back to it, there is nothing wrong with with being cautious. So there's this thing that a lot of conservative commentators and talking heads are doing now where they're sort of insinuating that only little girls wear masks. You know, real men keep their faces naked, snowflakes. You know, it's really become this symbol of kind of femininity on the right. So they're, they, they've totally doubled down on the sort of Trumpism reluctance to succumb to mask wearing, even though, again, his own CD DC director says that if everyone just wore a mask, we'd get through this in no time. The scientific evidence behind mask wearing is blatantly clear. It works. So brilliant conservative commentator Tommy Laren over at Fox, who, by the way, if you call yourself a conservative and you let this person speak for you, you should be embarrassed with yourself. Honestly, she is one of the most embarrassing pundits in all of political talk, okay? Uh, she Over at Fox, she tweeted out a picture of Trump taking his mask off while Biden is putting his mask on, and she wrote, might as well carry a purse with that mask, Joe. Yeah, it's horrible. You know, so Jay, I guess one of the things I wanna I wanna ask you about, being that you are the resident conservative on on this show, is Hello. what do you think has sort of caused this whole like new conservative machismo culture where where everything is about like the whole snowflake thing, everything's about the liberals are so sensitive and they're wusses. Like, where did this come from? On one degree, and that's not what I'm about to talk to uh, talk mm. about here. It, right. There's some warrant to that, right? The cancel culture, all of those yeah. things that happen. Okay. You know, don't be so sensitive. That I think is warranted. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here and what that tweet was about is Donald Trump. Okay. Right. The right has to take his platform. And his platform, you saw in these, well, I'll call this video series, the Trump video series. Right. You saw him, his inability to appear weak. Yeah. For a single second. It's why he, he had to feel, he can't be vulnerable ever. Exactly. Yeah. He had to keep on putting videos out. Mm-hmm. He had to keep on, and, and by the way, he's also incredibly unempathetic. If you noticed in those videos, he said, 
we have the best health care in the country. We have the best medicines. No, 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 no. Yeah. That he should have said, I had the best health care in this country. I had the best medicine. So yeah. where he's coming from, because he's, he's an empath- unempathetic person. He doesn't see experiences through other people's eyes. He sees it through his eyes. And yeah. so he went, he is going through this and went through this and is, feels good, is pretty okay, it seems. And so that's his experience. Ah, yeah. this isn't really anything. There are reasons why this wasn't anything to him, but he's not taking those things into, into consideration. Yeah. All he's taking into consideration is, I'm the man. I beat this. If you're a man, you can beat this. Right. You don't need anything else. And that is the platform that all of the right wing, if they want to be on the side of Trump, which, as we know, historically, is what you have to do in order to curry his favor. Yeah. Uh, he will cut you out of his life if you're not on his side. So right. all of these people on the right then take that stance. I guess so. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a really interesting thing. I, I was talking about this with a friend this week. There's a picture that surfaced of Johnny Rotten, who is the seminal singer yeah, from the Sex, Sex Pistols. Pistols. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this guy was a punk rocker. When I you know when I think the of punk, punk, what do you mean the, the punk, punk rocker? rocker right? Some people will argue yeah. the Ramones started it. No, no, Sex Pistols right. started punk rock. Which, uh, absolutely. And when I think of punk rock, I always think of uh, like an anarchy symbol and a bullet through Ronald Reagan's head because yeah. that's like that, that was, was sort era. of like the symbol, uh, mm-hmm. the era of punk rock, right? Yeah. Or the or the Queen, you know that the, the, right. the, the yes, seminal yes. picture of the Queen. It's, exactly. Yeah. So there is a picture that surfaced of Johnny Rotten wearing a Make America Great Again, a MAGA yeah. shirt, yeah. right? And I think to myself, like, man, the conservatives have really pulled a bait and switch here. Yeah, because and Trumpism has has allowed that, mm-hmm. where it's now the left that is sort of the rule followers and mm-hmm. the people who who are are more in line with like everyday society. Yeah. And the outcast is the punk rocker. I know. And, and Trump has successfully made conservatism punk rock. Yeah. Which is just crazy. It's like it's like, and 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 I don't think Johnny Rotten wears that shirt because he loves Trump. I think he wears it because it's a symbol that pisses people off. That's right. And 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 that's what punk rock is about: pissing people off. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing when you think about like how we got there. It's yeah. it, it's it's a really incredible thing. Yeah. yeah. So the, you know, like Jay was sort of talking about a little bit there. The the other narrative that's arising out of out of this whole thing is that Trump had to get the virus in order to save all of us. Oh, this you know, I can't stand. Th- th- this whole, like, he had to put himself in harm's way no, no, no. to no, help no, no. us. You know, like I said, Trump, virus hunter. Like, that, that should be <laughs> that, his show, That's gonna right? stick. If anything yeah. comes out of this show, I'm telling <laughs> no, you, right. that's it. That's it. So he had to put himself in harm's way because he's a real leader. You know, campaign spokesman Aaron Perini actually said on Fox, this is an actual quote, quote, he has experience now fighting the coronavirus as an individual. Joe Biden doesn't have that. And that goes more to the whole disrespectful aspect of Trump's messaging here. The idea is that he didn't beat the virus because he got lucky. He beat the virus because he's tough. And there are a lot of very tough people, military people, who have died of this virus. Of course. So, so I, have to, I have to wonder how they feel about this narrative. They can't yeah. feel very warm about it because it, Donald Trump is basically, and the whole right-wing media apparatus, media apparatus is basically telling everyone that Donald Trump is it beat the virus because he's a man's man. He's the he's a real man. If you if if your family member happened to succumb to this virus, well, maybe they should have done more push-ups. You know, it's 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 just really it's it's 
beyond disrespect. I agree with everything you've said. I think beating a disease should humble someone. While it may and should be considered like an act of bravery to continue to hold a positive stance in the face of, say, cancer, the actual act of beating a disease isn't brave so much as its quality of care, doctors, support, a myriad of factors that should lead to someone being humbled. Yeah. thankful and feeling very blessed to come out and say what he did and trying to make himself out to be a hero that took a bullet for the american people <laughs> yeah. is absolutely insane yeah absolutely absolutely we're on the same page there that's why this is down the middle isn't it yes so you know i had to bring up one more funny thing uh, yeah. there's a there's a woman named uh diana uh lorraine she's mm -hmm. a conservative commentator and also running for congress against nancy pelosi good luck with that um uh and she sent out a series of tweets that i think perfectly describes trumpism again i'm not talking about conservatism i'm talking yeah. about trumpism big difference okay? yes the so the first tweet was quote does anyone else find it odd that no prominent Democrats have had the virus, but the list of Republicans goes on and on, okay. right? Okay, so so step one of Trumpism is conspiracy theory, okay? Yeah. Hillary Clinton planted the virus in Trump's drink. Something had to, <laughs> that, yeah, that's yeah. always, the, the Republicans, or at least the Trumpers, will always go to that first. There's, mm -hmm. there's some conspiracy here. Why aren't any of the Democrats? getting it okay uh, yeah. so everything's a conspiracy couldn't be literally, that they're wearing their masks but well, well that's the thing jay literally four minutes later she tweets quote what's more useless joe biden or mass oh, <laughs> total self-own there considering the reason democratic public officials are not getting the virus is precisely because they're generally wearing masks you idiot so step two of trumpism is to call you a wuss that yeah. that's the thing right. step one is conspiracy Step two is, ah, you're a snowflake. That's, that, that's, that's Trumpism in a nutshell. Deanna Lorraine, we should have awarded you Bonehead of the Week, yeah, but we job. didn't feel like we had time, and we didn't think that you were worth it, honestly. But, but, but we could do that. Before we move on, Jay, update us a little on who else has the virus in the Trump orbit. How long do you have? You have a second? <laughs> uh, you know, summarize it. Don't give me the people I don't care about. Just tell me who, who has it. Okay. Uh, obviously, we have Hope Hicks, counselor to the president, traveled with Trump aboard Air Force One and to and from the first debate. We got Chris Christie, who's now hospitalized. The former New Jersey governor was prepping uh, Donald Trump for the debate at the White House. Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, and Chad Gilmartin and Caroline Levitt, uh, her deputies. Yep. So she got them sick. Obviously, the West Wing, I don't know if everyone knows this, it's a very, very small place and yeah. offices are very close together. They're very small themselves. Sometimes there's you know, five, six people in an office. And so yeah. it's not a stretch to think that these and, people... And Chris Christie, by the way, who obviously has weight problems and has yes. health problems, he has asthma, he's been hospitalized. Yeah, so. was not wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very good job. Jalen Drummond, the assistant press secretary, was at the uh, Supreme Court nomination event, which seems to be the super spreader event. That seems to be where a lot of people caught this. Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, was with Trump last Friday. Kellyanne Conway, of course, the former White House counselor whose daughter uh, put it on TikTok before she had a chance to uh, I saw that. Oh my let, God. let the people know that herself. Yeah. Bill Steppen, Trump's campaign manager. Senator Tom Tillis from North Carolina. Senator Mike Lee from Utah. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. You know, all unmasked at the uh, Supreme Court nomination event. Yeah. We got Stephen Miller, advisor and top speechwriter, if there mm -hmm. is such a thing for Trump. Yeah. Um, Admiral Charles Ray, the vice commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard. Jana McCarran, one of the president's military aides. Father John Jenkins, also at the Supreme Court nomination event because he's the Notre Dame president. He was there for the nominee. 
Okay, okay, you could stop. You could stop. I have yeah. so many more. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think we should go on with this? Or honestly, the the most important people, in my opinion, yeah. were the the unnamed White House valet. Okay, right? travels has to travel with the president, right? And two unnamed members of the housekeeping staff. Yeah, these are yeah. most important to me because these are people who have to be where they are. Right, they have jobs and they are assigned to the president. Great point. And and, and they did not put themselves in harm's way willingly. And to to that, yeah. I think that's a big that's the biggest problem of all these names. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, we have there's some very good people in there and uh, some people I don't like a lot. But what the most important thing is that Jay and I and everyone at the Down the Middle Squad wish yeah. them all absolutely. The best. Absolutely. Yeah. So next, we should talk about the polls and how all this political crap is affecting the polls. Yeah. So first, if you're following along, the polls are extraordinarily devastating for Trump. Now. If you're a right winger listening to your gut instinct, you might think that the polls are wrong because the pollsters are deliberately trying to swing the election. Uh, if you're a left winger, you might be thinking, well, the polls were wrong last time, so why should I trust them this time? Both of these narratives are wrong. They are blatantly incorrect. All of these polling companies, first of all, have a very real incentive to get it right. It is their business. That is what they put their shingle out to be polling companies and it's very important that they have a, an incentive to to be right absolutely it, it is their business who's gonna so, listen to them if they're not right so the idea that they're politically motivated rather than motivated by accuracy is just silly there'd be no uh, point right next as we've discussed before one of the great misconceptions about the 2016 presidential race is that the polls were universally and incredibly wrong this is also not true at all uh in 2016 hillary clinton was never leading by more than four points over trump pollsters talk a lot about polling errors that naturally occur in these polls and they usually say that the error can dictate two or three points in either direction. So with Hillary Clinton, even if she was four points ahead and there was a polling error of, say, two points, that would make her only two points ahead, which isn't a very significant lead and left a very definitive path for Donald Trump to win on. As I noted over the last couple of weeks, 538 was giving Trump a 35% chance of winning from when the Comey letter was released until the election. So 35% is pretty good. Again, if that was a casino game, it'd be a very, very good casino game. Right. And that same, bet on that the, one. the same group is now, that, that percentage is down to 17, I believe, correct? Well, yes, it is. And I'll get to that right now, because you know, with all that said, when you see that Biden is leading now by eight, nine, 10 points so in a lot of these battleground states, even, you know, the pollsters universally agree that this can't be explained by a polling error. Uh, there's also this myth of the, sh the so-called shy Trumper. Right. You know, the, 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 the person who tells all their friends that they're going to vote for Biden, but, but then gets in the booth and votes for Trump. I, I listened to a whole podcast uh, from 538's Nate Silver uh, a few days ago that was talking about how there is absolutely no evidence that this person exists. There might be a few here and there, but Trumpers seem positively thrilled to express their love for Trump. They do it out on the streets openly. There's never been a president who's gotten so much love from their fan base. He'll be the so, first to tell you. Right. So, you know, yes, there's people who aren't as excited about it, but the idea that they're uh, lying to pollsters just to trick the polls, I mean, it's, it's a very silly 
proposition. So we could we could let that myth go. Let's talk about the actual polls. So none of it is good for Trump. Monmouth poll, uh, which has been historically very good for Trump, shows that he is trailing in Pennsylvania by 12 points. And Pennsylvania is a huge battleground state. Uh, by contrast, he was down three points in August. So that is very significant. He has lost a lot of steam in Pennsylvania. National polling shows Trump is down very heavily nationally. Uh, Biden is up at 57% nationally. Here are the polls following the debate. Economist YouGov has Biden up plus eight. CNBC has Biden up plus 14. NBC News, uh, Wall Street Journal has Biden up plus seven. TIPP has Biden up plus three. CNN has Biden up plus 16. And that poll was taken, it's the only one of those polls that was taken after Trump's diagnosis of COVID, which does show that getting COVID wasn't good for him politically, didn't do him any favors. So there are no polls where Trump breaks 45%. These are margins that are not close at all. Okay, Florida is the only state that shows Biden only up two points. Florida is a state that Trump could keep. Uh, the rest of the battleground states, he's up over six. Biden is up over six points uh, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Arizona, which is going to go blue. Yeah. Unless Trump Trump pulls a rabbit out of his hat, it ain't looking good for him. Now, let's talk about why, Jay. Yeah. Because I think the main themes here there's two main themes, COVID and Trump exhaustion. So a recent Quinnipiac uh, poll shows that 82% of Americans support mask wearing. 82%. That's big very, number. very big, right? Yeah. 76% say that Trump hasn't handled the virus well. That's 76%. That is very, 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 very big. And by the way, even, even before you move on, mm -hmm. I think it's important to let listener, listeners know that if an issue is usually above 50%, Right. The politicians will take it very, very seriously yeah. when figuring out how to run, what mm -hmm. issues they should be talking about. So for something right. to be in the 70s and 80s, is, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mandate. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. And I think this is the chickens coming home to roost for Trump. It is all going to be COVID. Yeah. It is the fact that he downplayed the virus. He did not take it seriously. He lost time. All the things we've gone over, you know, episodes ago, you go back and listen to what we were saying. There's that. And then I think the second part, like I said, is Trump exhaustion. There were enough people who were willing to say, I don't like Hillary Clinton. And, you know, we've been hearing our entire lives that we should try a business guy. And, you know, I'll, whatever, I'll vote for Trump. Let's see how it works out. And I think four years later, the country is just utterly exhausted. I'm exhausted. I had to start a podcast. I was so exhausted. <laughs> like it's it's tiring. And I think just listening to the daily rhetoric and his nonsense and just going off the rails. Well, it just doesn't get any better. It's really what it right, is. It doesn't get better. It's only gotten worse. Yes. Uh, you know, he hasn't shut up at all. He hasn't learned. You know, there's probably 20, 20 to 30 percent of Americans that still just love him and love that part mm -hmm. of him. Yeah. But I think the majority are just exhausted and just like, I don't even like Biden, but I'll vote for him because he's not Trump. Because I need a nap. He's not Trump. And I'm right. And, and you know, it's funny. I was uh, another personal story. I was um, I went out to dinner with a mutual friend of ours last last weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was I was telling him about how my in-laws, who, like I said, are here, uh, they 
they drove cross country. They're from New York. They live in New York and they drove all the way to LA. Uh, number one, because they're older and they didn't want to expose themselves on a plane, which I think is smart. Again, Agreed. you know, mm-hmm. very good idea. Number two, they never driven across the country. So they were, they wanted to do it. Yeah. Nice little, little trip. Right. They camped the whole way. It was really cool. So they got here and I was talking to my father-in-law and he was telling me that, um, the entire trip, when you get out of the cities, like literally right out of the cities, there was not a single Biden sign, not a single Biden flag. All you see is Trump, Trump sure. flags, yeah. Trump, Trump lawn signs everywhere. And I was talking to our mutual friend about this when I went to dinner, and he was saying he said something that I that that struck a chord with me. He's like, it, the reason is because Biden is not on the ballot. It's not about Biden. It's literally America versus Trump. Yeah. And so Biden doesn't matter. No one no one is no one has Biden hats and are Biden groupies the way Trump is. You, no. you know, they, they they don't those people don't exist. There's definitely an enthusiasm gap. You know, Trump has more enthusiasm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't matter because that's not what this election is about. This election is about electing somebody who will bring us back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, it's about responsibility. Right. It's about doesn't taking matter. things seriously mm-hmm. and, and bringing some gravitas back to the office of the president. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I think that's something to think about. You know, lastly, we should talk just briefly here about Trump pulling out of the stimulus bill uh, as if he didn't already create enough reasons for the American public to be disappointed in him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about th- things that, uh, that, that, you know, upended the polls. I think this yeah. was, this was a big nail in the this, coffin. This, this could have been it. Uh, so he tweeted yesterday that he was essentially done. He tweeted, quote, I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election, when immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill. A lot of the conservative pundits were saying that this political this was political malpractice uh, yeah. on his oh, part because then he owns the reason more struggling Americans won't get any additional relief anytime soon. For what it's worth, he sort of reversed this later on. He tried to reverse it, but who knows where that's going. One interesting note I wanted to point out here, mm-hmm. Jay. Uh, a guy named Josh Marshall, who is a pundit for TalkingPointsMemo.com, tweeted something to think about on this whole stimulus situation. He tweeted, quote, decent chance McConnell suckered Trump into pulling the plug on stimulus. Party is in bust out mode. McConnell likely sees that Trump is finished and failing. Probably Senate majority, too get the court seat and leave economy as wrecked as possible to ensure a Biden and men is stillborn. That's interesting. I, very I mean, but, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's something to consider to me. This felt like, felt like a very in character Trump move. It felt like a business yeah. move to me. Maybe it's, it gets a page out of his art of the deal book. Like in business, it's not uncommon to use this as a tactic when negotiations aren't happening, but yeah. this isn't business. This is the running of our country. It's politics. It's the lives of millions of people. Yeah. And I think it might be the worst political move of his entire presidency when you factor in the timing. Because again, yeah. I, I think he's just using his business acumen to like work, try and work the Democrats. Yeah. But now what he's done is what you said. He's taking full responsibility for leaving countless Americans without any hope of help through yeah. a continuing pandemic and crisis. Politically, right. he could have blamed this on Pelosi. He could have blamed her for continuing to hold up these negotiation negotiations because they pledged a, a trillion dollars in COVID related help the Republicans. It, it That's was a lot. on her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the Democrats there. wanted two trillion and they wouldn't budge until yeah. and there's such an easy way to spin this in favor of the Republicans. Yeah. And Trump took the fall willingly and at mm-hmm. such a pivotal time. I've never seen someone walk into a wall so hard with their eyes <laughs> yeah. so open. Uh, yeah. it was just unbelievable. 
Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, but w- with that said, we also know that McConnell is is such a political animal. Yeah, he and is. He's, he, he, is. He, he's a he is. He is a, a tactician. That would be interesting. Right? I, it's something and, to consider. And he might be thinking, this guy's toast. There's right. no way he's going to win. And yeah. McConnell's always thinking ahead, and he's always thinking about accumulation of power. So he's probably thinking, I mean, if indeed this is true, he very well might be thinking, you know, uh, Biden's going to win. The Senate is going to go to the Democrats. They're going to keep the House. Yeah. Let's get Amy Coney Barrett in there. Let's make that the priority. And then let's not give, let's not do any of the stimulus stuff so that Biden comes in with a with an economy in free fall. Yeah. And two years from from now, when, you know, in 2022, we could try to win back the the, the Senate on, right. on that message. I mm-hmm. mean, it would actually be very politically no, it, smart. It's smart. Um, it is. It's, it, you know, with, with Mitch McConnell, as we've noted before, he is very infrequently thinking about the American po- people and mostly thinking about the accumulation of power in, in, in the Senate. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is possible. Something to think about. OK, moving on. Next segment here. We have brought this segment back a few times where Jay and I pretend to be Republican operatives and strategists to coach Trump on the message he should be putting out there. This segment is called The Trump Whisper. There's no way, there's no way I can make it down that ramp without falling on my ass. There's no way, there's no way, General, I may grab you so fast. I don't want that. Okay, so here's how Trump wins this election walking away. He could turn, he could have turned this around. It was so simple. He could have. Yeah, all he had to say was some version of this, of the following. To the American people, I have just been through a nightmare. I got COVID. I want to apologize because I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. It is a serious illness. I luckily had a more mild case than a lot of people do, but in talking to the medical professionals, I realized just the kind of havoc that this virus can wreak on 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 a, a human being's body. And I want to tell you that we made a mistake here. And we are going to reverse course. We are going to start taking this thing incredibly seriously in order to stomp it out. I'm going to ask you to wear your mask at all times when you're around people. You know, if you're work, you could still throw in the whole like if you're working in a field somewhere, you don't have to. But when you're on a subway or when you're in in public, wear your mask. My administration is going to distribute Make America Great Again masks. We're having them made right now. We're going to throw them all over. And you guys can support the administration and, and keep our country safe. I was wrong about this. And that's all he had to say. I guarantee you he would have gotten an unbelievably huge boost in the polls. What do mm-hmm. you think, Jay? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The, 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 this was, there was a very clear path to a possible victory here where he could have turned this whole thing around. Yeah. He, could have, he could have actually had a new tone that lasted more than 20 seconds. And yeah. he could have saved lives, which would have yeah. gone a very long way. Uh, yeah. In the eyes of the American people, he failed to do so to an epic proportion, yeah. and, and and the polls show it. Yeah, I think again. I mean, there's been lots of sentences during the entire Trump administration that start with "when the history books are written." Yeah, but when the history books are written, as cliche as it sounds, I think 
the thing that ultimately will have taken down Trump is his arrogance and his inability to admit that he was wrong about something, to always double down. And this COVID situation, this global pandemic was just a glaring, the most glaring example of this. It's unforgivable. And I think the American people, according to the polls, are starting to see it. Are starting to see it. Well, and he's come losing. You know, to... if he didn't lose women already with the, all of the suburban comments, he yeah. he is. He's losing elderly. Yeah. Um, he's the young voters. The elderly he, is flying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely and the, the young voters yeah. that he had, he's losing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. with all of the messaging, it just mm-hmm. he, he can't fool everyone, and they're starting to run away. He's building himself his own casket. Yeah. I, I want to just step back for a minute because there was one thing I didn't mention. Yeah, when we were talking about polling and going over all the devastating polling data for Trump. Mm-hmm. If you are a Democratic voter who happens to be listening to this, do not be complacent. Okay, 538 is still giving him a, I think it's 16%. It's 17%. 17, okay, mm-hmm. 17% chance of winning. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but in political terms, it's not un, it, unheard of. It can happen. He still has a path. If you don't like Trump, or, you know, frankly, if you do like Trump, you got to vote. And we're going to get to voting in a minute, but... Don't take this as a one of the worst things that happened to Hillary Clinton was there was complacency. Complacency was one of the lowest Democratic turnouts. Nobody was excited about Hillary. Plus, everyone thought that she was going to win walking away. I mean, how could she not? So people didn't turn out. If we start getting too confident that Biden is going to win, that's mm-hmm. not good either. So I mean, even even taking the partisanship aside. For people who, I mean, we live in California. California's yeah. going one way, no matter who mm-hmm. you vote for. Of course. But to yeah. exercise your right is mm-hmm. an exciting thing. It's yeah. something that you don't even need to leave your house for right now. Yeah, yeah. And so We're going to get to that, Jay. Yeah. Don't, don't give away the farm. Exactly. I yeah. won't. <laughs> but it, it, my point is that it is yeah. it is your right as an American citizen to yes. vote. And to take that right and use it is is, you know, is something that you should, you have a responsibility to do no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not have said it any better. So, Jay. Moving yeah. on, yeah. we have a new segment, don't we? What is this segment called? I am so excited about the. Can I tell you how excited I am about the segment? Tell me, tell me. So this segment, it's as much for you, the listener, as it is for us. It's a segment about news you can relax to. News that won't raise your blood pressure one iota. So we mean it this time. Sit back, take a load off, and listen to some news that might actually put you to sleep. This is Extremely Normal News. This is Extremely Normal News. Welcome to Extremely Normal News. I have been so excited for this segment because, well, we get to talk about other stuff, you know, stuff that doesn't make us want to hide under the bed and never come out. Our first story for this week's ENN takes us to the clay courts of Paris, France. Has you ever been to Paris, France? Uh, I have been to Paris, France, indeed. Wonderful place. Yeah. So this is where the epic tennis tournament known as Roland Garros is well underway. Rafa Nadal, the winner of the past 12 Roland Garros tournaments, is the heavy favorite, followed by the number one seed, Novak Djokovic, or as he's often called, the Joker. Both players are set for the semifinals, kicking off on Friday. Nadal will play Diego Schwartzman, our great Jewish hope, and Djokovic is playing Stefanos Tsitsipas from Greece. Next up, we head to Monroe, Washington, the beautiful green Monroe, Washington, where a missing eight-week-old kangaroo named Jack was found inside a carport at a home on West Maple Street just before noon this past Tuesday. The kangaroo's owner had purchased Jack from the Outback Kangaroo Farm in Arlington on Monday, but he ran off that night after a friend let him out to go to the bathroom. Riz, did you know you could buy a kangaroo? 
In I did not know that. Yeah, no, but I'm moving there tomorrow. I mean, it doesn't seem like the smartest move, but it sounds great. <laughs> I, who would, who is in, well, I always kangaroo. wanted to jump in, the, jump in the pouch of a kangaroo. Well, now you have your, your chance. You can just move mm-hmm. up to Washington. But I think there was a Simpsons episode with that, and they found out that it was actually really sticky and gooey and not really fun at all. Like, yeah. you'd picture it to be warm well, yeah, and nice cozy, and cuddly. but it's, yeah. it's, it's not. Yeah. All right, good to know. Yeah. All right, well, you'll be happy to know that Jack is now in the care of the Fall City Animal Shelter, where he's receiving the proper care. Uh, in other animal news, I saw a very cute video on Facebook today. Uh, it was it was of a squirrel eating some nuts out of a man's hand, and then the <laughs> squirrel just completely freezes. That is a hot topic news uh, item it's, right it's there. It's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And I yeah. guess he was so excited about the nuts, he, he didn't see the guy holding, like the giant man holding them. And so right. when he sees them, he just freezes for like a minute straight. And the guy thought it'd be really funny because he's standing like this. He just puts the nuts, he stacks them in his arms, and the squirrel doesn't even move. <laughs> it's it's adorable. So in case you're concerned... <laughs> This is great. <laughs> In case you were concerned about the squirrel, all's well that ends well. The squirrel calmed down. He ate a couple more nuts and he ran back off into the forest. Right. <laughs> so a little serious, extremely normal news this week. Our thoughts and prayers are with the friends and family of the seminal guitarist, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Van Halen passed away at the age of 65 following a long documented battle with cancer. Yep. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was the guitarist and founder of the band Van Halen, who wrote a tidal wave of multi-platinum albums over a 15-year career. The band sold more than 80 million albums worldwide, 11 of them reaching the U.S. top 10, four reaching number one. Eddie survived by his son, Wolfgang, who played bass in the band alongside his father. Uh, Alex Van Halen, his brother, and his wife, Janie. Riz, I'm sure you have a few, a few words to say considering your love of the instrument and the influence yes. Eddie has had in the music world. Yeah, you know, this is a perfect example of uh, when you can not necessarily be a fan of someone, but have a strong appreciation. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, was not a huge Van Halen fan. Uh, the band Van Halen, mostly because of David Lee Roth, just his singing just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could recognize just how seminal a band that they were. Uh, and of course, Eddie Van Halen, one of the greatest guitarists ever to live. He really uh, kicked off a a whole new wave of technically oriented guitar players. He yeah. influenced countless guitar players, including me. Uh, at one point, I could play all of Eruption um, which was one of my first like forays into shred guitar. He again was never my favorite guitar player, but certainly on a on a you know it has to be included in the list of one of the most influential guitar players of all time up there with Hendrix and yeah. all those guys. So um, yeah, Eddie Van Halen. Really sad to hear that news. Agreed, agreed. So for our final story of the night here on ENN, we journey to Seoul. In Korea, mm. where something very interesting is happening in response to the need for for social distancing at a local restaurant. Well, they have a lot of soul in Seoul. They, they do have like a lot. I've heard that. I've been there. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, Alio Kim, a trolley-shaped robot utilizing artificial intelligence, or AI for short, is delivering food to customers at the Italian-themed Seoul restaurant called Mad for Garlic. I am. I'm, I'm pretty mad for garlic myself. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Shortly after customers order through a touchscreen on the table, the four-foot-tall robot developed by South Korean telecoms company KT Corp brings the food and uses its localization and mapping capabilities to avoid obstacles and navigate around customers. The robot can deliver food up to four tables at once and has a speaker that communicates in both Korean and English. When asked about its time as a server... Alio Kim has been quoted as saying, When the moon hits your eye like a big beat spy, that is Amorai. Thank you for joining us. This has been Extremely Normal News. Extremely Normal News. I really like that. Oh, that was so nice. It was like a warm bubble bath. It's funny because I've been saying for a while now, like, I can't remember what the news was like before Trump. Because it hasn't just been four years. It's been more like six years. 
because, you know, he really came on the political scene. It's just been Trump, 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 Trump all the time. Yeah, since he came, what was it? Came down the elevator, or the escalator, or whatever. Yeah, the, the escalator. Yeah, Ugh, um, yeah, this golden escalator. He always talks about. But yeah, it's um, it's very interesting to me because I don't remember. Like I remember they talked a lot about the weather. The media loves yeah, weather. Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> you know, right? Well, it's they, so hard to predict. You know, weather. they're so bad at it. Right. But, you know, I like that segment, Jay. It gave our listeners a little bit of a break from the craziness and to remember that there is, there, there, there are regular stories yeah, Things are happening all right around now. us. Yeah, things, things are happening around us that don't have to do with pandemics and Donald Trump. Yep. So, very good. All right. So, uh, one more thing we are going to bring back today. Uh, we wanted to bring back our Shut Up and Sing segment where we engage with athletes, actors, musicians, people who have a public persona who, in the wake of all the political craziness, are speaking out about what they believe in. Jay, tell us who you have this week. All right. Accomplished songwriter, guitarist, pianist, and vocalist, John Gomez rose to international fame and toured the world as a member of the pop rock band The Somerset. In 2019, John, along with his brother Stephen and singer Cameron Walker-Wright, formed the indie band Twin XL. Since then, They've toured all across the country with bands like the Mowgli's, the Maine, Fits in the Tantrums, and have an EP and a few singles under their belt. So with that out of the way, here is Shut Up and Sing with John Gomez. I was told not long ago that I can't talk the way I do. Singers shouldn't share their current affairs or world abuse. Saying something off the wall just might be folks out of shape. Hardworking people spend the paychecks. To show up and escape So put a plug in what you think Man, shut up and sing Welcome back to Shut Up and Sing The segment where we talk to musicians, athletes, actors, and celebrities About their experience speaking out politically as a public figure This week we have with us my friend John Gomez of the band Twin XL And formerly of the band The Somerset John, welcome to the show, so great to have you here Hey, thanks for having us So tell us about your first experience speaking out about politics when was it what was the feedback you got was there backlash support did you lose or gain followers on social tell tell us what it was like so you know well let's see going back to when i was in the somerset i didn't get too political um really i mean i started in that band when i was like 17 so i wasn't really i mean i, I was i had opinions but i wasn't really i feel like uh, educated enough to really speak out about them um the first time i really spoke out politically was when I came out in 2014 and I feel like that was the most political thing I was I I had done in my career uh, you know up to that point surprisingly I had zero backlash at all and um yeah and I was thinking about I was like why I wonder why and still to this day when I talk about being gay or you know gay rights trans rights I get no backlash at all and it's kind of like I live in this a little bit of an echo chamber within my fan group it's like somehow i if i was in like country music or maybe hip-hop or something and i came out i feel like it might be a different story i think it's also um it's interesting because i think it's it's actually easier for people to come out about their sexuality than it is for them to come out about where their politics lies because you have gay people on the right too and you know for whatever reason politics right now at least seems to be striking such a chord just in the country generally more so than any other issue you know there are a lot of um when people come out about politics now there are a lot of artists who have to make a calculated decision because it's sort of like if half my fan base is 
right wing. And I'm going to start speaking about that kind of stuff. You know, I might put my career in jeopardy. It, it must, I'm not sure if it's just my algorithm, but my overall temperature, when I just take the overall social temperature of like social media and sort of being an artist, being sort of in that world, I feel like my, my political leanings are that of the majority of people who are listening to me. Like social media leans so, so liberal and to a fault. And your peers as well. And my peers as well, yeah. I feel like I can say no wrong. You know, if anything, if anything, I get, I've gotten more backlash for not being progressive enough. Like, I've never had someone right wing ever DM <laughs> me and be like, I'm offended by this or that. It's always someone being like, you didn't go far enough. You get that a lot too, Rob. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because I'm the resident liberal on this show. That totally, I, I could, I could relate to that. But it, it is an interesting thing. I sort of put it into different categories of uh, depending on the artist you are. Because there, are, I, and I've told Justin this before. There are sort of four categories. There, there are like the Willie Nelsons of the world that like they're. Uh, their music is political innately so and they're left wing they're progressive so when they when they speak out no one uh is surprised by what they have to say because that's part of their whole concept you know then there are sort of like the taylor swifts who have been so um absorbed by hollywood that and again everyone knows hollywood is so liberal so when she comes out as liberal it's not a big deal no one really thinks about it then you have sort of like your working class Bruce Springsteen types that a big part of their fan base is that working class, probably Trump voters. Um, but he speaks out a lot about right wing, uh, you know, against right wing politics, <laughs> but he's Bruce Springsteen. So he doesn't really care if it's going to affect his career. And then you have people who are like, I put in the next class, which is like the working class musician who might very well have career implications for speaking out and if you have a young fan base especially and you have parents that are policing what they're listening to and they're starting to see like this guy's a leftist i don't want my daughter going to that show you know there is well you saw some of that with the dixie Chips. yeah yeah exactly i mean i, I can't believe it, they, they've gotten swept up into this like multiple times now yes they have yeah more than once it's an interesting thing because with every with it, you know depending on sort of what segment of of the entertainment industry you're in i think it's a different experience for everyone yeah 100 percent agreed i mean how do you feel about this election and are you passionate about it and i mean does your activism extend beyond you know just social media like are you uh are you involved in politics on a day-to-day -day outside of just stuff you post so on the, the posting side of things, I, I do my, you know, my weekly register to vote and, and try to spread awareness wherever I can. Or, but you know what? To be honest, I think I would be louder about my activism if I wasn't existing in such an echo chamber. Like, it kind of, it would be fun if I actually was talking to some people who didn't think the same as me. I would find a purpose in that. And I sort of, I, I, I don't necessarily shy away from it, but I'm not as as politically outspoken as I think I would be if I feel like I had an audience worth sort of engaging in and starting a conversation with. It's just, it's not fun to just sort of get this like constant yes and like amazing yeah. like at, you know, response every time you say something. Where do you live right now? I, I live in Los Angeles. Okay, right. So, so, so I mean, you're, you're, you're here with us. I, I'm in the middle of it. All, I'm in the right. middle of it all the time. If anything, like, you know, like I said, I, I get... The, the most, and this isn't necessarily publicly, but just privately, like the most backlash I get is from my own side. And it's just like, 
it can't be progressive enough. I can't be progressive yeah. enough or, yeah. or just, you know, even, so we spent a lot of time on, on our first couple, our first year of touring in twin XL in the Midwest. It was very bizarre. You're doing these, we're, we're doing this radio run and you sort of go to where the stations that are playing you are. And we wound up in the Midwest for a lot of 2019. Right. And, um, I hadn't toured in a minute and the Somerset, we, my first band, we'd never really gone to the Midwest that much. We were mostly like coastal. Um, so this is sort of, you know, sort of a new experience. And then also post 2016, it's a lot different feeling like I've been living in Los Angeles for six years and I'm going to go to the Midwest for like three months of this year. And I can't, and, and I came back and I would just be sitting here at, you know, at these dinners with, with my liberal friends. And I would just, just realize how completely disconnected they are from reality. They have no idea what happens there or what the town, when you're like on the bus and you're staring at the town and it's a Walmart and a school and a church. Yes. Right. And that's it. Like, and a lot of Trump signs. And a lot of Trump signs. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and great people. Like right. really, yeah. really great people. I'm meeting these people after shows. I'm just like, I, you know, when you get back home, there's this, and I think this is a problem that spans on the, you know, both sides here, but you know, this dehumanizing of the other side. Yeah. I almost came back. I remember I was standing at the 4th of July. I'd just gotten back from tour. We were in the Midwest for a couple of weeks and I'm standing there in this like house in the Hills, watching all these LA people do their thing. And I'm just sort of a little drunk and a little yeah. just like sitting there. And I was just on this trip that night. Cause I, I'd had some heated conversations with my friends. I was just sitting out there. I was just like, these people have no idea what it's like to be a kid no. growing up in that town with the one Walmart sure. or the whatever. And I think if anything, my, my experience in the, in the public square has just been that of like, just deciding to step to stay out of it because I don't necessarily agree with the echo chamber. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Cause um, I was actually just, just talking to a friend about this. You know, if you live your life online, uh, it just seems like, everyone is so nasty and we're just butting heads about everything and we're so polarized but you know pre-pandemic of course whenever you would go out to like an airport for instance where there's people coming in and out from a million different places you ever notice how like everyone is generally nice like everyone's yeah, yeah. nice to each other and everyone like if you bump into someone everyone says excuse me and like, it's like the face there's thing. very few in the world there yeah. really are like most people are generally cool and you start to realize when you think about it there's like the online world and then there is the real world and we have become i think especially with the pandemic because we are all inside so much we have become such slaves to this to to being on the internet and and thinking everyone is our enemy and you get outside and everyone's nice you know, no matter where they're they're from, you get you get back and uh, we spent a lot of time in Des Moines, Iowa, and we just loved Des Moines, Iowa. Love Des Moines. Dude, I love yeah. we love Des Moines, Iowa. It's, it's such a great place. You know, yeah. and I would tell my friends that because we had four days off between these two runs, and we just stayed out in the Midwest, and we're like, we're gonna spend four days in Des Moines, Iowa. Some of my friends were like, couldn't wrap their head around it. They're like, what? Des Moines, Iowa? Like, dude, right. there's a bunch of Trumpers <laughs> out there. Yeah, like, I know. what? I'm like, yeah. actually, it's pretty much just like everywhere else. Everyone's super nice, man. Like. Yeah. Speaking of locales, you're from Arizona. Yeah. So do you do you deal with any issues with your political affiliation there? Um, no, not not really. I mean, 
like, like my circle 50 50 yeah. arizona's sort of this like yeah. purple state yeah you, it could go either way there because you have a lot of wealth there and sometimes with wealth it could be 50 50 there's a lot of wealth on the democratic side That's as true. well That's yeah a thing that we try to do on this show is have people on with you know, incredibly differing views. Justin is a conservative, but he's not a Trump conservative. I'm sort of a, a you know, I'm a liberal, but, you know, we, we try to have people, like we've had guys from the Trump campaign on the show just to show that we could have a civil conversation and we could just talk to them and not yell at each other and realize that everyone is sort of nice. They just have differing opinions and that's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and most of the time, it, we're all for the same end goal. We just have different ideas of routes to get there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, like back back to my point of, of why I, I am almost bored by speaking out politically on my platform. Because it's just like, yeah. if I say anything, you yeah. know, anything liberal, people are just going to like, air high five me and just like, right. yes, you're the man. <laughs> like, you're so strong. Like, look at you yeah. speaking out against, and it's like, I'm not really speaking out against anything. We're all just like yesing each other. And there's a whole other corner of the internet that is doing the same thing to each other. Right. And we're sure, all right. existing in these just complete opposite realities. And mm-hmm. we're trying to like fix a problem. I was, I was in a session. I was t- talking to one of the cards with about this. And I was like, it's like, we're staring at this like scale and, and we're trying to decide which way it's weighted to too heavily. But we're both being showed completely different pictures of the scale. One person's seeing it lean down on the right, one seeing it lean down on the left. And we're trying to say, how do we fix it? How do we level this thing out? But we're looking at two different things. And no one is really finding any sort of common ground. So I I feel like my I feel like my energy is wasted just yelling to my side. I, it's not worth it. You know, as a gay American, do you you know there are Trump actually has a surprising how should I call it, you know, fan base of, of gay supporters. Um, if you, when you, I don't know if you actually have any experience, but does that color your perception? Like if you were to meet, because, so, you know, we, we're all so tribal nowadays. So when I, I feel like, like for instance, uh, when I meet people in LA that are Trump people, it's, it's jarring. So I'm wondering if it's the same thing in, uh, you know, in the gay community. Yeah, so I actually have a few friends in my in my circle who are Trump right. voting gay men. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I think my my rational mind always lands on, well, of course, like everyone's gonna have differing opinions that that doesn't matter. I don't need to dehumanize someone. Um, but then my like emotional brain that just immediate response was like, you have to be some sort of psychopath to like <laughs> do like, what are you doing, right, my friend? Right, yeah. So, dude, I don't know how we get out of this. Like, I don't know how we get out of that that feeling. I don't I don't like that I feel that way. I know. I think remembering the concept of the founding of this country, which is sort of diversity of thought and the idea that anything we want to believe, uh, anything we want to say, we're free to do so. And I think, um, you know, again, you go back to the idea that most people are good people. And uh, they're, you know, it's why your mom always said to you, don't talk about politics or religion in the public square, because those those a lot of times those ideas are really best to be kept to yourselves, you know, which belies the fact that we're doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, someone's got to do it. Yes. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll have you back to uh, so that we can give you a little bit of sparring and 
and uh, create that environment for you. It's what we do. We do it civilly here, and it's a it's a great atmosphere. So we'll have you back sometime. I would love and give that. us a plug, man. Tell us where 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 everyone can find you. Yeah, you yeah you can find the band at We Are Twin XL on all socials. Um, we just had a new single come out a couple months ago called Problematic. You can check that out on all the streaming platforms. And uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Awesome, man. All right, so check check out John. Check out the band. And thanks for coming. Awesome. On the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Okay, so folks, lastly for today, we wanted to bring you our first ever down the middle public service announcement. So if you haven't heard yet, we have an election coming up. Uh, That election is taking place on November 3rd, like 20 something days away. Democracy dies in darkness, but it also dies when the citizens of a democratic republic stop engaging in the democratic process of voting. Jay and I cannot stress enough the importance of voting in this election, but also in making a plan to vote. Too many people wait until the last minute and then realize they have no idea what to do, especially this year with the pandemic. Don't let that be you. As soon as you finish listening to this podcast, the fastest growing moderate political podcast in the country, develop your plan if you don't have one and put it in place. So the Pod Save America guys have set up a really cool platform called Vote Save America. It's not a partisan thing. All you have to do is go to votesaveamerica.com slash whatever state you live in. So if you live in Tennessee, you will go to votesaveamerica.com slash Tennessee. It's really cool. You can put in your address and it tells you all you need to know about voting in your state and in fact, in your district, in your state, every state is different because of COVID. The rules have changed a lot in these states. So once again, we cannot stress this enough. Have a plan to cast your vote on or before November 3rd. Again, on or before November 3rd. Our ballots came today, Jay. Did you notice that? Did you get your mail yet? I have mine. Mine's on my desk. I am going to as soon as I hang up with Jay here. And and we close out our podcast. I am going to fill mine out. Now, I love the mail-in thing because you can actually sit down with it and do some research. You know, you're not sort of pressured. Yeah, you're not surprised by like some prop that you didn't know what it was. Right. Don't just vote for the president. Vote for everything. All Look up all your state initiatives. Go, mm-hmm. go through all of it. See what you believe, what you don't, what you like, what you don't. G- vote for judges. Look up judges' records. You have some time now. So if you're doing a mail-in ballot or even if you're not doing mail-in, Look what's up in your state. Go to this website, votesaveamerica.com slash whatever state you live in. Figure out what's on your ballot. Do some research. This is important. Cannot stress it enough. Jay, you have anything to add? No, that was fantastic. It's the most important thing we've said on this show to date, yep. except for the squirrel thing that I talked about earlier. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode. We were a little bit shorter than usual. So a, just a little. So I, I told you, I told you we, we would get in. under an hour. <laughs> that didn't happen at all. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, yeah, I talk too much. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, we gave you a lot of news this episode, like we said, because we had to. Uh, we, but yeah. we, we threw in some good segments there. And of course, we had our new favorite segment, extremely normal news which yeah, uh, i'm excited yeah, to we're, continue we're, this we're excited about that we will only continue this uh this segment when we feel like everyone just needs a mental break from everything that's going on exactly so anyway uh take care 
Thank you for for tuning in. Go to our Discord, start a conversation, turn your friends onto our podcast. At this point, by the way, we are we are what nineteen. This is episode nineteen, right, Jay? Episode nineteen. At this yes. point, you should be turning on your friends and family. If you like our podcast, do us a everyone favor. Knows. Everyone Let should know everyone about it. know about it in your family. Say, hey, you know, maybe you have a crazy right wing uncle. Like, hey, you should listen to Justin. He's the uh, you know believes some of the things you believe in, but he doesn't <laughs> like everything you believe in. Or <laughs> maybe you have some crazy like liberal aunt or something who's like a crazy leftist and is uh you know yeah she'll think she'll think riz is a man right exactly exactly so so you know who knows just turn your friends on to it jay what else is there to say don't do anything crazy america yes we're talking to you yes if if i come back now i'm taking the week off if something else crazy happens <laughs> next week we are going to have a normal episode where we're going to be talking about ideology. We have, I already have a bunch of stuff planned, so please don't do anything crazy and screw that up. Excellent. All right, announcer, take it away. Bye. This has been another episode of Down the Middle, the fastest-growing moderate political podcast in the nation. Go to downthemiddlepod.com to find out more info and contact us. If you send us questions, we'll answer them on air. Follow us on social media at Down the Middle Podcast on Instagram, at Down the Middle PC on Twitter, and at Down the Middle Pod on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. Five stars, people. Five stars. All right. Good night for now.